0: continuing our series, Come and See, and this, or, the series is moving forward this morning, it's Come and See, get that right, we're continuing the series, moving forward this morning, this topic is Come and See, it is Super Bowl Sunday, Redverse, as you tune in, we welcome you, we're glad that you're able to join us this morning, I hope that you guys are just rocking this morning, lots of jerseys in Redverse, I believe, um, so, for fun, just to kick us all off because we have a Super Bowl party tonight, who's going to win? Who's, if you don't know who's playing, I'll help you with that. It's the Cincinnati Bengals who haven't won a playoff game in 30 years and now they're playing in the Super Bowl, so big deal for them. And the LA Rams, who are the host team. It is the second time in two years that the team that hosted the Super Bowl is also playing in the Super Bowl. So no pressure on them as they play in front of their home crowd and their families. So for those of you who are interested and know something about this game, hands up if you think Cincinnati's gonna win tonight. Wow. Oh, Robert threw out a pity vote. That was good, that was good. And who thinks the LA Rams are going to win tonight? Oh, good. One and one. Two. There we go. I was I was thinking, you know, there's a lot of excitement. Maybe, you know, we'd pick team captains and the loser gets pied tonight. But there doesn't seem to be that much excitement about it. So I guess no one's getting pied. Um, I know I'm wearing the Cincinnati colors, but I'm pulling for LA today. That I just know that slash... If you don't know anything about football, Cincinnati plays my favorite team a lot, and them winning is bad for my team, so they need to lose today. That's completely selfish reasons. Okay, um, so again, reiterate, Super Bowl party tonight, kickoff is at 5.30, you can come a little bit early, bring some snacks, we'll have a snack table set up. We're going to set up our round table so we can sit around and we can talk and chat and bring some board games, like I said, we'll have some stuff for the kids, so This is a full family event. We'd love to see everyone out. Um, Yeah, it'll be fun. Eat some good food, hang out, and we'll have the game on. Uh, But this morning, we are continuing this series of moving forward. Last week, we talked about going out, how God has not called us to be a people who hide in our building, and our country club, but that we are called to go out into the world, that we are called to embrace, engage with our community and be influencers in our community. And <clears throat> this morning seems like a contradiction. Why would last week I say go out and then this week I say come and see? It seems like they are two conflicting ideas, but they're not. Um, this idea of come and see is actually something that comes from the Old Testament. So I'm going to give you a little bit of history. We're going to read a lot of scripture this morning. <clears throat> and I'm sh- by the end, I'm going to show you how these two ideas very much work in unison with each other, because I believe that we are supposed to be both. We're supposed to be going out, engaging, loving on people, loving on our neighbors, and yet we're supposed to be inviting them to come and see what God is doing in our church. So this morning, if you have your Bibles or you want to turn on your tablet or whatever you're reading on, we're in Deuteronomy 28. So set the stage. Deuteronomy 28 is getting to the end of the five books of Moses. So Moses wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 28, is just before Israel is about to go into the Promised Land. Moses is about to die. He's about to commission Joshua to take over to take leadership. And this is Moses' last hurrah. All of Deuteronomy is basically a recap of everything that has happened to Israel up to this point. And it is him rehashing out the laws and the expectations that God has placed on his people. And we get to Deuteronomy 28. There's just two ideas that we're going to look at. The first one is that blessing comes with obedience. And I want you to hold on to that. If you're not in your Bible, it probably has that as a title for chapter 28. Blessing comes with obedience. So starting in verse 1, if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall the fruit of your womb, and and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall, shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come against you in one direction and flee from you in seven. The Lord will command the blessings on you in your barns and in all you undertake, and he will bless you in the land that the Lord your God has given you. The Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself as he has sworn to you. If you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, and all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will make you abound in prosperity in the fruit of your womb, in the fruit of your livestock, in the fruit of your ground. Within the land of the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens, to give the rain in your land and its season and to bless all the work of your hands. And you shall lend to many nations but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you head and not the tail. You shall only go up and not down if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, being careful to do them. And if you do not turn aside from any of the words that I command you today, to the right hand or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. Now, I don't know if you heard the word bless in there, it popped up a few times. Um, And along the way, he did also say multiple times, obey. Obey the commands. Obey the voice of the Lord. Which is good, because we just came out of a series called Hearing God's Voice. So often we say, well, it's just about obeying what is written in God's Word. it's not just obeying. It's also obeying God's fresh Word for you today. It's obeying what God has called you to do today. And so we need to be making space for God to be speaking to us. But the big point of Moses' Commission here is that if you do all I have commanded you, if you follow all of these things, and if you remain sensitive and obedient to the voice of your God, you will experience nothing but blessing. Everything, whether you you work in the field, whether you work with your hands, your barns will never cease to be full. As a nation, you will borrow from nobody, you'll only be lending to others. And later on, it says that. The nations will see you and say, how good is your God that he loves you so much, that he has blessed you and made you so prosperous. And the plan that God had for Israel as his chosen nation was they'd be so blessed, they would be so different from the rest of the nations around them, that the nations would be drawn to their God They'd be like, our gods are doing nothing compared to what your God is doing, so we would need to come. We're going to come, and we're going to worship your God. We're going to follow your God. We're going to abandon our idols, and we're going to embrace your God as our God. And through Israel, the whole world was to be saved. Come and see. Come and see that the Lord is good. Come and see how God protects us from our enemies. Come and see how our livestock never fail to have children. Come and see how our fields never fail to have produce. Come and see how we never fail to have rain in its season. Come and see all the good things that God is pouring out on us. But on the flip side... Oops, I forgot that. Obedience leads to blessing. But on the flip side... I wonder what the next word is. Disobedience leads to cursing. Because if you start reading in verse 15, and the verse 15, the second half of chapter 28, is longer than the first. And God basically comes right out and he says, but if you turn from my commands, if you follow after other gods, if you do not hear the voice of the Lord your God, then you are going to experience cursing like you could never imagine. He said it will get so bad that the land will be barren, there will be nothing left, and the nations will use the name of Israel as a mock word. To be called an Israelite will be an insult. That's how bad it's going to get for you. And that's quite a, quite a gap. On one hand, blessing untold. Never have to le- lend from anybody, never have to do anything because God is providing for you. You never have to worry about enemies, because God's going to fight for you. All is good. But on the flip side, if you turn from me, you're going to experience cursing. And now, when we read that, it's easy to say, well, does that mean God's going to curse? No, 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 no. That's not what Moses is saying. He says, if you turn from God, you're abandoning God's blessing. You're abandoning God's provision, you are leaving God's relationship, and as a result of you leaving the protection that God is offering you, you are going to experience the full force of what sin does to us, and that's what the curse is. The curse isn't anything God is doing. The curse is the sin that so easily entangles, that is constantly vying for our time, and vying for our heart, and vying for our attention, it's the temptation that is always there. It's the little compromise that's waiting at the door. God is saying "You, to the nation, do not turn to the left or to the right, but stay faithful in all of these things, all of your days, because you will be blessed, you will be set apart, you will not experience hardship at any time All will be good with you. In fact, it's gonna be so good for you that the nations are gonna see it and be drawn and gonna want what you've got. Come and see obedience leads to blessing. And we see it even today that the blessing continues. When we look at the Nobel Peace Prize winners, we look at some of the wealthiest people in the world, we look at some of the most successful businesses, somewhere along the way, you see someone with Israelite descent. Somewhere along the way, most of the Nobel Peace Prize winners are Jewish. And it's because God's blessing has not stopped. They have not stopped being God's chosen people. <clears throat> God continues to set them Apart, but it doesn't stop with Israel because God said, Now you get to be the vine, you get to be the branch that's grafted into the vine. The vine is Jesus. The vine is the vine is God. And the natural branches on the vine are the Jewish nation, God's chosen people. But you are the wild branch. You maybe you aren't growing you weren't Part of that originally, but you've been grafted in and now you are part of the family. Now you are part of that blessing and that promise and that goodness. But when the whole point for the original plan of come and see was that Israel is to be so set apart. They're supposed to be so different. The nations are going to be drawn to them. Which brings me to my second question. If the same promise applies to us, how are you set apart from the rest of the world? And I don't want answers. Everyone online, please do not give an answer to that because I want you to think about that question. And I want you to think about it in light of what the Apostle James says in chapter two. What, it is, what good is it, my brother, if someone says he has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? And what James is saying is that even a problem then and it's a problem today where people are like, yeah, 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 I'm a Christian. I live however I want. I just get wasted whenever I want. I sleep with whoever I want. I do all these things the way that I want to do it, completely contrary to God's word. But I'm a Christian. You can't judge me. You can't hold that against. I'm part of the church. I'm part. That's not how that works. What James is saying is that you can't just be a Christian in word. You can't just be a follower of Christ in theory. But it's got to play out in your works. You have to be able to see it in action in your life. And this is one of the things that I've come to realize, one of the disservices we do to people who are far from God, who want to make a commitment. We tell people that to become a follower of Jesus is free. Just, make, just pray this prayer and it's all good. And that's a lie. It's not all good because it's not free. It costs you everything. You want to step into God's blessing? You want to step into everything that God wants to pour out on you? You want to be free from the sin? you got to stop sinning. you got to stop doing the things that got you stuck in the first place. It requires complete cha- life transformation. You can't, there can't be any compromise. There can't be any like, well, I'll just tolerate this little sin. No! God didn't call for kind of obedience. He called for complete obedience. Because we say that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, if God asked for obedience then, and that blessing came with obedience then, why do we think it doesn't apply today? Even Jesus said in the Gospel of John that if you love me, you're going to follow my commandments. You're going to live the way that I instructed you. It's not a halfway thing, but if we do, are willing, if we're willing to set aside the ways of the world, if we're willing to set aside the sin and the temptation and the the worldly passions and the selfish ambition, if we're willing to put it all aside and make Jesus our Lord and our Savior and commit to doing things the way he taught us to do, there is blessing untold waiting for us. Because if God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, if he's going to bless them then, he's going to bless you now. And that is the good news. The good news is, here's how the world treats it. Here's how you are, get to live. You get to pick your own decisions. You get to live however you want to live. But there's cursing. There's darkness. There's struggle. There's hardship. And that's not to say that being a Christian just takes away all of the struggle. You still struggle, trust me. There, there's still a fight to be fought. There's still an enemy that still wants to drag you down. But it gets a whole lot easier because you're not doing it on your own. You not only have the Holy Spirit in you, you not only have the God of the universe speaking to you, guiding you, empowering you, helping you along the way, but he gives you the church. And you have the people, and this is where come and see is, because if we are walking in the obedience and we are walking in the blessing, not only will we be set apart from everyone around us, but imagine what happens when blessed people come together and worship and share life and do there should be something special about this place. There should be something exciting. It shouldn't be an option of, well, maybe I'll just sleep in and watch online. No! It should be exciting to show up at church. It should be awesome to come and be with other blessed people, be with other obedient people. And that's the, that's what we want people to come and see. Come and see how we're set apart. Come and see how God is providing for us. Come and see the miracles that God does in our assembly every day. Come and and see. And the question is and it's, I'm not going to put this question up, but it's just something to think about, is why aren't we saying that? Why aren't we excited about our church? Why aren't we excited about what God is doing? Because so often we just show up Sunday and we put in our time and we go back and we go about our day and just do things the way we've always done it. And the really frustrating part, and I'm going to speak in really big generalities here, so don't, yeah, don't take offense where offense is not due. I find it so interesting how the people who are serving and engaged with the church are the people who complain the least. people who get involved, who are excited about church, who want to use their gifts and their talents and use it every single day, or use it every single moment they get, those who are giving financially to see us, help us accomplish the mission, those people don't complain. Why? Because they're part of the solution. They're part of the mission. They're part of the direction that is driving the church. They are part of the team, and they're excited about what the team is going to accomplish. The people who complain the most are the bench warmers. I can't I can't get over how the people who don't give, the people who don't serve, and the people who don't show up have the most complaints about the church. Instead of complaining, get involved. You want to see something different? Come be a part of the solution. Stop being part of the problem. And it's not a, oh, woe is me. Oh, you hurt my feelings. I don't care. I'm actually more concerned about you because if you're not using your gifts, you're not using your talents, you're not being obedient with what God has given you, God says that even what you have, God's going to take away from you. And if you don't use, and you see it, any of you who play sports, any of you musicians, if you don't play your instrument, you don't play your sport, you will get rusty. The same is true for the gifts and the talents and the passions that God has given you. If God has given you something that the church can use and you don't use it, when you finally do pick it up, it's going to be rusty. It's going to take a little while to get used to it again. It's going to be hard. Serving the church isn't actually about the church. It's actually about you. It's actually about you being obedient. It's actually about you being a part of what God is trying to accomplish, it's actually all about you making your faith actionable. It's actually about what James talked about. How faith without action, can, can that actually save? Can faith that is just simply empty words actually save somebody? So come and see. Come and see what I'm doing at the church. Come and see what I'm a part of. Come and see what our men's ministry is doing. Come and see what our ladies' ministry is doing. Come and see what we're doing for the kids. Come and, see, come and meet Clay. I was joking at the council meeting the other day. There's two things that really throw off Sunday. When the tech doesn't work and when Clay doesn't show up. And they, then they pointed out, well, Clay's not going to be there Sunday. I know, I'm already stressed about it. Why? Because Clay's here. He shakes every hand. He smiles to every person, even behind the mask. You know he's smiling. And Clay does a lot of things behind the scenes. But when Clay doesn't show up, we don't have a team to support him. And then panic sets in. It's one thing because I knew he was going to Mexico. It's another when he texts me. He's like, hey, something come up. I can't come. Woo! But But Clay... And clay is awesome. But it's not just clay that has that effect on the church. It's all of us. When we don't step up, when we don't use our gifts, when we don't fill the holes, when we don't get involved and play our part on the team, the team suffers. The team hurts. Because what ends up happening is we end up with like four people doing everything and then eventually those four people are tired and they stop wanting to do it. They stop wanting to use their gifts. They stop wanting to come to church, and they just disappear. And now what do we do? Newsflash, I can't do it all. I tried once. It didn't work. Again, it's not all about me. It's actually all about you. It sounds like it's all about me. Make my job easier. No. No. Actually, when there's more people involved, it actually complicates things because there's more moving parts to watch over. But I will deal with lots of moving parts if it means that you're getting involved. And I'm looking at everyone in-house because, you know, you're the easy ones to pick on, but everyone online. Just because you're online doesn't mean you can't get involved. There's things you can do to help our online campus. You are not exempt just because you're at home. There's things you can do to help the experience because online is just as much come and see as in-house is. Redverse, same for you guys. You guys have your core and they're awesome and I appreciate them, but everybody is required in order for Redverse to succeed just like everyone is required to see the Carlisle campus succeed. We all have a part to play. Now the question is, How can you use your gifts and passions to help the church? Well, my gifts don't line up. My Things that I'm passionate about aren't actually church things. Oh, don't worry. If God gave them to you, we can use them. Well, we've never done it like that before. Perfect. Music to my ears when you say those things. We've never done it that way before. Good. That's why we're going to do it then. I like getting outside the box box is restrictive don't like the box I kick down the walls of the box but just as come and see is just about you yeah come and see is about us and one of the things we're going to talk about at the agm is what come and see looks like in us for 2022 because there are so many ways to get involved there are so many ways to invest in our church your time your resources And time is not just showing up. Time is serving. Time is using your talents and your gifts. If God gave it to you, then God can use it to advance his kingdom. And one of the things that I'm going to throw out to you is going to be the new rule of One Church. We're going to unpack it more at the AGM, but I'm going to give you this little tasty. We're going to implement what I'm going to call the once-a-month rule once a month is all i'm asking of you one sunday a month is all i want one once a month one day a month where you pray one sunday a month where you serve all i ask is once a month and we'll see where it goes from there because right now In order for us to get to once a month, we require more people. The only group in our church right now that can actually live up to the once a month is our kids' ministry. And they are losing volunteers like crazy. Right now, they're still at once a month, but it's getting tight. But we look at all the things we're doing here. How awesome would it be if we had four Clay's so that Clay didn't have to do it every, but he only had to be on once a month? Now, that would drive him crazy. He'd probably still be there helping you. So, the days that Clay's not on, there's just two people. So, it's good. How awesome would it be if our sound guys knew they're only on once a month and they could actually come and enjoy? Because it's hard to come to church and serve and have to be aware of all that you have to be aware of and take anything away from service. It's not fair. Not fair to our volunteers. Not fair to our worship team that they can't just come and sit and absorb, but they have to wear so many hats in order for service to even work. Right now, for our worship team, if we can get them off the stage once a month, we're doing good. That's not fair. That's not fair. How can you use your gifts? And this week, I really want you to walk away. I want you to pray. I want you to think about all the things that we do on a Sunday morning. I want you to think of all the things we do throughout the week. I want you to just go to our website, check out all the ministries that we're doing. And I really want you to ask yourself, if you're not doing something now, how can I get involved once a month? How can I serve? How can I use my stuff? And how am I going to help the church step into the things that that the God has calling our church to step into. Let's pray. Worship team, you guys can wander on up. Heavenly Father, God, I love your church. Whether it's this church or the couple churches down the road or the churches in Redverse or the churches in wherever people are watching, God, I pray for every church right now that we would not be disjointed, but that we would be unified, that we could work together and we could see your kingdom advanced throughout our communities. God, I love this church. I love our Carlisle campus. I love our Redverse campus. I love our online campus. And I pray, God, that you would stir in each and every one of us how we can get involved. God, I thank you for our volunteers who are serving already. I thank you, God, for those those who give of their time and their talents and their resources, those who are the driving force of the church. God, I thank you so much for them. And I pray, God, for everyone who is not, that you would stir in them the ways they can get involved. Because it's not about The church, it's all it's actually about us being obedient to what you've called us to, to use the things that you've called us to use, to do the things you've called us to do. So show us where we can get plugged in. So that our church can be something that we can boldly go out in our community and say, You gotta come and see what's happening at one church today. You gotta come and see what's happening with our ministries today. But it only happens when we are all part of getting the excitement and getting things rolling. Jesus, we love you. We ask that you stir in us, be with us as we go in your precious name, Jesus. Amen.